Here we go. Very familiar verse. Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I mean, it's because of everything that he said. It's like, it's time, you need to make a decision. You need, I'm, I'm urging you, beseeching you. And it's all because of God's mercy. Because God did not give us what we deserve. He got us what we could never deserve or earn. Amen. Mercies of God. By the mercies of God that you do something. That because of what he's done for us to save us, that you present, yield yourselves, your bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's your reasonable service. So uh, we're going to talk about worship service. I got a question mark up there. Do you notice that? Is that a typo or what? I mean, that's that, but that's a question. Why do we even call like this right here a worship service? Isn't that weird? I mean, are we, what are we serving? Are we worshiping? Which is it or what is it? On our sign, I think it says services. We're serving. What are we serving when we're serving? What does that mean? And why? There's a lot of things we do that have been done for decades, maybe hundreds of years, that if you grew up especially in church, that a lot of times we never just stop and say, why do we do that? Huh? I can tell you a lot of times we don't know. It's because the generation ahead of us did it. And, and somehow we just think it's, it's in here. And, and, and if it is, let's find it, right? Hey, I'll never forget... Back when I first came here, we had Sunday school at 10 and, and, and a worship service at 11. And it finally came a time that we wanted to change that. And I suspect it was because the young preacher you had wasn't getting done by 12. And we backed it up to 9.45 and 10.45. Well, lo and behold, to do that, it was spelled out in our bylaws what time we had. So we had to change our bylaws. That meant we had to vote on it, lay it on the table, bring it back up a month later, and we had to have a two-thirds majority vote and change our bylaws. Which, by the way, bylaws are meant to serve us, not us, them. And we had to have that discussion, too. We can't change this in the bylaws. We had all that. It was a difficult thing for us in those days, was it not? Just 15 minutes earlier. But you know what? Man, we did it, and I promoted it. And that first Sunday, even more people showed up for Sunday school and for worship than normal, and they got there even early. And you know what? Lowell Skinner came up to me. I remember Pauline Lowell came up and said, Man, if you'd have moved it up 30 minutes, think how many more people would have been here. And so it was funny, but it, it's difficult to do things to change. And sometimes it's like, why, why, do we meet, why do we do it this way? Well, it's just because that's the way we've done it. We never stop to think, does it work or does it make sense? But then worship service, what, what does that mean? That's part of it, and I hope that we can answer that before we get done, okay? All right, so we've talked all around. There's a couple of things that true worship involved. We've talked around it all this time. We've mentioned it. But I want to sit down on it before we move on to something else, okay? And um, there's two things. And they're right here in this verse. Did you really get into that song, I Surrender All and Everything? One of them is submission. Surrender. And the other one is service. And it's right here in this verse. And I want to get to it because this is what God has called us to in true worship. It involves that. I want to show you something. The old Baptist Union used to have a seal that they had for their missions. And American Baptist has kind of re-resurrected that and are using it. And I saw it. I don't know if you can see this very good on there. But this is the seal that they use. And can I explain what it is? Right here, do you see that? That's an that's a ox, a cow. Okay? And right here is a plow. 
And right here is an altar of sacrifice. And it says, can you read that, anybody? Ready for either. To either be sacrificed. So ready to give my life and be sacrificed. Or I'm ready to hook on the plow and work. Ready for either. But I tell you what. After reading this passage, I think our motto needs to be ready for both. Ready for both because he's actually calling us to sacrifice and surrender ourselves and to hook that plow on and serve. And it all flows out of our worship. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about is submission. Submission. It's a key element of worship. Maybe the first blank that you want to fill in in your notes if you're doing that is submission to God. A key element of worship. Submission to God. Now, nowadays we don't bring our gifts, we don't bring animals to sacrifice like under the old covenant that had its purpose. That was fulfilled in Jesus. And so now, since Christ has died on the cross once and for all, which was the point of all of those sacrifices, it's what they all pointed to, it's what they all shadowed. Now that Jesus has done that, we don't bring things like that because Jesus paid it all. What we bring is ourselves. Amen? And you brought yourself to the altar today or to the plow. How about both? Now, obviously, this passage, Paul, in writing to the Romans, there were Gentiles in that church, there were Jews in that church. But everybody had become familiar with the old Levitical law, right? The old Levitical law, the old, under the Old Testament, all those rules and regulations and all that stuff. Hallelujah, I'm born here and now on this side of the cross. Amen? It's just so much more awesome. God was unfolding his plan, but so Paul is contrasting some of this stuff. And, he, and through this letter to the Romans, he's talking about how that... Um, We are now justified by faith. And God's plan was always faith. In Habakkuk, he said, the just shall live by faith. Even when they came to him through all that stuff of the law, it wasn't just their actions. It was them trusting in the way God had provided for them. It was still faith. And and Paul alludes to that several times in his writings. Um, But uh, the thing is, is that we are justified by faith in God's grace. Are you with me on that? We are not only justified by faith, but we are carried along in our relationship with God by a process called sanctification that's being set apart by faith in God's grace. And then true saving faith also involves not just believing and trusting and relying totally upon God alone, which that it does. That's what faith is. It's trusting, it's believing, relying totally upon God alone. But it also involves submission to God. That's what faith. You say you have faith in God's grace. Not only are you trusting, you're relying, believing. You are submitting, surrendering yourself to Him. Because I know I can do that. I'm going to trust everything with my life, everything with my eternity to you. It's yours. You're my creator, and you're my redeemer. You're my savior, and you're my Lord. So it involves submission. 
And that's one thing he's talking about, about yielding the deepest part of us, our soul, our spirit, but even also your body. In those days, there were people going around believing that, well, flesh is just cursed, flesh is just evil. So even though, how about this? Even though you serve God in your heart, your mind, your soul, you know, your body just is going to serve sin. So, you know, there, right? I think a lot of people have adopted that attitude today. Huh? It's not biblical. I didn't even surprise you by saying that. Everybody's just kind of like still the same old. Yeah. It's not biblical. He says, present your bodies, even your physical body, upon the altar. Present your, let's read that again. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. So it's not a one and done. It's living. It goes on. And, you know, like Warren Wiersbe said, the problem with a living sacrifice, it keeps trying to crawl off the altar. Well, we continually offer ourselves, our bodies, our minds, our, every part of ourselves to the Lord continually. And that's one reason he emphasized it that way. So it involves submission, submitting to him, re- surrendering to him. One thing, it's one thing to acknowledge the authority of God. It's one thing to say, I believe God, I believe he created all things, and I see him as the eternal creator and redeemer. But guess what? It's quite another thing to respond in submitting to him. And that is the proper response. Let me read this because it may not make sense if I don't. If that submission is the proper response if we truly believe what we say we believe about who he is. If you really believe what you say you believe about who he is, you will most properly want to bow before him and Humble yourself before him and surrender everything to him. If he's who you say that you believe he is. King of kings, Lord of lords, sovereign God. That's the only fitting response is to bow before him. And that's why I'm motivated. That's why I'm motivated is because I've submitted. If I've not submitted my life to him, I'm not going to be very motivated It's the same message Jesus told his disciples when he told them that their love for him would be shown by their obedience for him. In John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Same thing here. We're submitting to him. Now, I'm not submitting to him for any other reason except he is God, and I know what he's done for me, and I want to do this. I desire this. It's not a got to. It's a get to. See, and, and my obedience, I'm not obeying and trying to do these things. I'm not coming together with church just because I hope that doing this stuff will gain brownie points in heaven or it'll get me to heaven. Listen, I'm doing it because I already know I'm going there. It's not so I'm doing these things so that maybe I can be saved. I'm doing it because I am saved. It's, it, it's not that I'm doing any of this stuff to get God to love me more because he could never love you anymore. He loves you with a perfect love. I'm doing it because he does love me and because I love him. It's all motivated by love. And you know love is such more powerful of a motivator than anything else, right? Love will motivate you. When you think you're in love, you do crazy stuff. It's such a better motivator than duty or guilt. Now, it's not that we don't have responsibilities and things like that. But I want to be passionate for God. Not just because I'm trying to be careful and not, not, not get him upset. or Not just because I'm trying to be careful and do enough that hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll say I'm okay. No. He made me okay when he died for all my sins on the cross. And I trusted in that. 
And because of that agape love, God so loved the world that he gave, has entered into me, he's enabled me to love him back. And that ought to be such a passionate love that I want to do anything and everything he wants me to do. I want to do what he wants me to do. If it means giving my life on the sacrifice, that I would love him, that he gave himself for me. If he wants me, listen, it's one thing to do that. I mean, sometimes we'll stand up and say, you had testimony tonight. I want to say I love the Lord. Amen? I love the Lord. I love the Lord that he gave his life for me. I would give my life for him. I would not deny him. I would die for him. But yet you can't get out of bed and make it even to church half the time. I'm just saying. I mean, that's just one thing, right? I love him enough to die for him, but I don't love him enough to put forth effort to. See? Oh, man, it got quiet. I've not got anybody in mind here, okay? I'm just saying why we do what we do, why we serve him. If we would die for him, why, we ought to be just as passionate about living for him. Huh? We're a lot more passionate about dying for God, evidently, than we are about living for him. But I want him to live in me and through me. Worshiping God as we sing, that's what we do. We're worshiping. It's not just about singing songs. We're not just having a song. How about this? A song service. I'm from down south again, aren't I? Somebody asked me, why come you say stuff like that? You always go into that accent. I don't know. I don't even know why I do some things. Yeah, I don't know. But a song service, you know. We, you know, there's nothing wrong with singing and just enjoying singing and entertaining with singing and good song. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But we're not having a song service. We're having a worship service. The song is just a vehicle of worship. Amen? And we're going to worship. That's why we sing. We're worshiping God. We're celebrating Him. We're, we're reverencing Him. We're, we're thanking Him. We're praising Him. All of these things. But uh, you know what? We can do all that. We can sing songs about his sovereignty. We can sing songs about his authority. We can sing songs about how he is creator and redeemer. But it's all incomplete. Even though I'm singing about that, it's incomplete if I'm not submitting to that in my heart. Sometimes God's the only one that knows. And I have to ask the question, do we believe what we're singing? We're saying, I surrender all, but do I? So I have to be careful here. Amen? Submission. And instead of submitting, a lot of times, we just begin to make excuses. That's what we do. We just make excuses. Uh, and, like, when the Holy Spirit begins to, like, convict me of, of, like, things inside, as I grow as a Christian, I'm continually seeing that there's things in my attitude in my life that don't quite square up here. Yeah. Holy Spirit brings that to me. I don't like that. That's uncomfortable. You know what? I squirm a little bit. And sometimes what I want to do is run instead of submit. And surrender. And there were times in my life that I kept trying to do better. Lord, I'll do better. I'll do better. I'll try harder. I'll try harder. You know? It's like out there on a basketball court or playing baseball or whatever you're doing. You know, just got to try harder. You got to try harder. Try harder. Not that we're not supposed to put forth effort and have discipline, but just trying harder is not what gets it done spiritually. Because what I was doing is I was trying harder in my wisdom and in my strength. Okay? Um... You can't pound the flesh into the image of Christ. It has to be crucified. Amen? The flesh, that part of us. So what I had to do, instead of just me trying in my strength, I had to come to the point where I said, God, 
of, an all, of myself, I cannot do it. I surrender it to you. I confess I can't do this, but I surrender it. And I surrender my rights to do what I want to you. And then when I truly did that, I found that I had strength and power from the God of this Bible, that the print on this page, that actually the author of this book enters into me to give me strength to actually do what is impossible for me alone to do or to not do, whatever the case may be. Amen? It all starts with that submission and surrender to Him. Submission equals surrender. It's the same thing. That's what we're talking about here. And that's what He's talking about whenever, whenever we um, yield ourselves, present yourself, yield yourself to God in this way. So God's, you know, as I read the Scripture, God is uncompromising in His requirements for worship. Did you know that? I mean, God, He's, not, he's like... All through the Bible, folks, you see that the way we worship Him reveals where our hearts truly are. Even Old Testament, New Testament. God always rejected, always, 100% consistent, always rejected what people offered to Him when their hearts were not right. And they had the wrong attitude. He always rejected it. At one time he said, even back during the Old Testament when they were supposed to bring these animal sacrifices and stuff like that, God said that sacrifice, I don't desire. Right? That's not what I'm looking for. But what I'm looking for is the right kind of heart. That's what I'm looking for. Um, so God has always approached it that way. Even if they were going through the correct motions on the outside. God said, I'm not taking pleasure in your sacrifices. He wants the heart. So worship has always been, we're talking about the heart of worship. Worship has always been a matter of the heart. Right? And it flows outwardly, but it has to be here. Or it don't matter what's out here. But I think if it's in here, you're not going to be able to keep it in here. It's going to come out. Right, So anyway, that's the way it works. This is so different than what a lot of times is happening in churches today. It's so different because a lot of times, instead of submitting, this is what we're doing. We're not, I grew up on a farm, okay, so that's the way my brain works. Those little banny roosters always strutting around, you know. He thinks he's tougher than anything out there. Did you know that? I mean, we, and we had chickens, and we had roosters of different types and different breeds. And, I mean, we had one old rooster. I mean, he's just mean, Right? Mean. Anybody have a mean rooster? They get mean. And they come along and stir, will spur you. And I'm telling you, this rooster was smart. I mean, and it could have been because me and my brother hit him with so many rocks, you know. And that little Daisy BB gun, you know, wouldn't kill him. But it, it, it irritated him, I think, pretty good. But um, anyway, anyway, he would be going along and he'd want to come running up on you. And he'd spur you right in the leg. You know, I'm like 10, 11 years old. And it's like, it's on, buddy, right? And, and especially if you're carrying a feed bucket, you know, where you kind of are, you know. And he'd come running up on you. And he just thought he was so tough. And, you know, it'd be where you have a rock in one hand and you stop. He would act like he was, he, he'd fake you out. He'd act like he's he'd peck, peck, pecking around and turn his back. He's pecking around. I'm not, I'm not following you. I'm not following you. You turn around, boy, here he comes. Turn around, he's like this right here. I mean, he was on the cow lot. It was concrete. There was no feed there. I'm smarter than that, right? Right? Yeah, what I'm saying, 
I didn't mean to get, I did too mean to get off track. You needed a little lift right here. But, you know, the, what the, oh, we're just going to say this. I'm just going to say what, dad knows about it now and everything about, you know, everything wants to eat chickens, don't they? So it's not abnormal for them to disappear. But anyway, <laughs> what the Daisy BB gun would not do, Granny Single Shot 22 would, right? It did. Took care of the problem. But anyway, but that, those, you know, I think sometimes Christians, sometimes we swelled up like that, that little rooster. You know, we think we're strutting, right? We're stu- strutting around, strutting our stuff, right? So there's a whole, I said all of that, I guess, to say there's a whole lot more strutting than there is submitting. There's a whole lot more strutting than there is stooping, bowing. There's a lot more bragging than there is bowing. There's a lot more self-promotion Today, then, there is self-denial. That's submission. Are you following me on this? All right, let's get a couple of verses here, because in Isaiah 57, 15, he says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Where do you live? Hartville. Where do you live, God? Eternity. He inhabits eternity. Whose name is holy. Here's what he says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. So who does God dwell with? His dwelling place? I dwell with those who are submitted. I dwell with those who have a contrite. That means a repentant, remorseful for sin heart. And who has a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God said, that's, 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 what, that's what I dwell with. You want to have fellowship with me, you've got to humble yourself. You've got to have a repentant heart. Okay? We all come in proud like we're really something. And God says, you know, in another place in James, he says, if you, you want to lift yourself up, I may have to do you a favor and take you down a notch. Right? I mean, that, that's basically what he's saying there. That if we want to humble ourselves before the Lord, then he will lift us up. If I'm going to be lifted up, let God lift me up, not me myself. Okay, that's what that's about. Then, of course, many of you know this verse in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, and this is more than just about America. It's about you. It's about me. That I'm this. I mean, if our whole country did this, if all the Christians in our nation did this, it would have an impact on our nation, I guarantee you. But it says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name, are you called by his name? Do you, you apply his name to you? Are you a Christ follower? Are you a Christian? That, that's how that applies today. You know, at that time, he's talking about Judah or Israel. Now he's talking about all of those who name his name, no matter where they live or what they look like. Right? My people are called by my name if they'll do what? Do you see that? Humble themselves. First thing he says, the first thing you've got to do is humble yourself and then pray and then seek my face. And because you've done that, you turn. You're willing to turn. Turn. That's a word for repentance. Turn from your wicked ways. Turning from that to him. He says, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. This is a promise from God, folks. This is a promise. He says, I will. If you will, then I will. I will. It's conditional if you will. But then God says, I will forgive their, I will hear, I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. All right. That's what God says. But do you see what it's fueled by? First of all, by humbling ourselves. Hum, humility, submission precede everything else. No great time of revival ever happened in history with people who were self-satisfied. 
began with people who were repentant, people who, who were humbling themselves with that contrite spirit and that humble heart. So this isn't very popular today, is it? It's like, I mean, we live in, you realize we live in a place where it's all about my rights. Huh? It's all about my rights. I have my rights. There's some countries you can't say that and it mean anything, right? Talk to some of our folks who spent time in China, Saudi Arabia. On and on we could go. But we're kind of like, we focus on that. We put so much emphasis on that, that to submit to God somehow strikes at the center of our will. Wait a minute. Sometimes we forget, and we just like... Lord, I, I still want, I want, we just live in a place where I want to do what I want to do. And we carry that into our relationship with God. Listen to me. Sometimes I think we forget what it cost him to purchase our freedom. Of how he gave up his rights in order to pay the debt of our sin by dying on the cross. How that Jesus surrendered all in order that you could surrender all and be saved. We are told in Philippians Chapter 2, to have the same attitude, the same mind as Christ. And, and I'm using the New Living Translation here because I'm just going to tell you, and look at the original languages, this really puts it in the way we think and talk today in 2020 than, than just about any. I really like this because he says, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, through all eternity he's God. Though he's God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Now that word of cling to was a word that they did use sometimes to refer to how a robber or a thief would cling to something when they stole it. And so basically some translations said considered it not robbery. That's really not what he's meaning by that word. That word literally means to cling to something. And so he's talking about equality with God is something that he did not selfishly hold on to. But guess what he did? That he, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He lowered himself. He submitted himself. He surrendered himself. That's what Jesus did. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position, Paul said, of a slave. So here is God not only becoming human, but becoming a lowly human. He became a servant, a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, fully human, fully God, it says he even went further and he lowered himself more. He humbled himself more. He submitted even more. He submitted and humbled himself in obedience to God the Father and died a criminal's death on a cross. That's what Jesus did. Have you forgotten what he did for you? Think what God himself, when I mean he's God, we should humble and submit ourselves. But think what he did for you. Not a very popular thing, but this has got to be faced by us. Um, and you know what? This self-abandonment. I mean, the, 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 the focus on self, that's the cause of the problems in most of our homes, most in our society, our nation. Self-abandonment. Okay, all right. Now, I've spent a good part of the time on submission because without that, the other part don't mean anything. Amen? And the other thing is service. Service. Worship, service. Yeah, can I make some sense out of that? So submission and then service. Ready for both. Amen? I like that. Yes. 
So, uh, like I said, we, we're right in the middle of, hey, we're not in the middle of, we're almost to the end of a worship service. And why do we call it that? Uh, in the Old Testament system, like I said, Paul is com- contrasting Old and New Testament stuff. In the Old Testament system, they offered sacrifices when they worshiped God, and, and they did all this stuff. You know how in the temple that they go in there, you know, you had the, the golden candlestick, you had the, the, the table of, of, of bread, uh, Christ our light, Christ our sustenance, and then you had the, the altar of incense, uh, right, right? Christ, our supplication, prayer, you know, all that had symbolism and things like that. But the priest, as they worship God, they served and they did things in that temple, okay? And so he's drawing a con... Are you with me on that? Okay, good. So we, we understand that. So today we don't need to offer the bull, blood of bulls and lambs and do all that kind of stuff because guess what? I get this. Christ's death on the cross forever swept all dead sacrifices off the altar. No need for it. He now looks for what kind of ones? Living ones. So involved in our submission now, right out of that is going to flow our service. Uh, We offer our total selves, including our bodies, to him. And then he goes on to say, it is our reasonable service. That this is holy, acceptable to God, and it is your reasonable service. So what he's talking about here is really an act of worship. Of the sacrifice is a service. Submission leads to service. Are you on this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a look at that word. This reasonable service. All right. Um, Because this word that's translated reasonable. Are you with me? There's two words there. Reasonable and service. They're both different words in the original language in which it was written. Later translated into English. And the word... uh, Logakin, which is reasonable, which it the root word of that is logos, and you've heard of that word before. It's translated word, like in the beginning was the word, the logos, and it's more than just a word that is said. It is the expression of a thought or an idea, and Jesus is the exact expression of all that God is, and he's called the logos, and that's the root word of it. So what he's doing here is not only referring to that which is reasonable or that which is logical, but it's deeper than that, and most places where this is used in the Bible is coming from something that indicates something spiritual. I could give you the other reference, and it would blow your mind, but anyway, he's talking about something that is spiritual. And so it's reasonable, but it's spiritual. It's from the deepest part of you, as opposed to ritualistic, because the things that the priests were doing was part of a prescribed ritual. What we're doing, it comes from the Spirit. It comes from the deepest part of us. And so it comes from the heart. That's why some translations translate that word spiritual instead of reasonable. And there's a whole great reason why. Some of it sometimes say that is your spiritual service as well as reasonable service. And then the other word that is translated um, uh, service, reasonable, could be spiritual. The word translated service is a word that was really, it's not a normal word for just to serve. It is a word that pretty much exclusively was used for the kind of serving the priests did in the temple as they ministered before the Lord. You could translate that ministry or ministering. And so what they did in service before him was involved in their worship of him. That's what it was understood to be. 
That was their worship as they did this serving, ministering before God. And so that's why some translations actually translate reasonable service as spiritual worship because the word service and worship are meshed together here because it refers to what the priests did as they worshiped God and ministered before Him. But it's not a ritual we do now. Now it's spiritual. It is a spiritual ministering before God. It is a spiritual worship that we offer up to God. Your reasonable service is also your spiritual worship. It's what I'm trying to say. So now, even though today, you and I, we're not having to rely on uh, uh, rituals of things like that. Here's what we are relying, I should say. We are relying on the finished work of Christ on the cross, okay? But true worship, because we really worship Him, it involves service. And true service to God is also a part of our worship. You see how they flow together? What God is looking for in worship, is a, even though we ought to do our very best, isn't just great congregational singing. That's honoring to Him. He's not impressed with big choirs or orchestras. Though that may bring Him glory and they're fine. What God's looking for is for a people who will love Him with all their hearts and who will demonstrate this love. We demonstrate that love for God. We love God. We worship God. We're overflowing with who He is and we demonstrate it. We serve. We demonstrate it by loving Him and obeying Him and serving Him. So that's where it flows out. That worship flows out by our demonstrating our love for Him, by obedience and by service. So true worship involves service, and true service involves worship. You can do stuff for the Lord and do it for the wrong reason, but if it's flowing out of your worship, mm, God's in it. God is in it. He's looking for people who will worship by serving, not just in a building, but every day of our lives living sacrifice. So Jesus said, if we truly love him, we're going to show it by keeping his commandments. It's the one who loves him who offers those sacrifices of praise and worship and service. And so why do we act as if there's no connection between our daily life out there and our worship? Because I'm telling you there is. It has everything to do with each other. Our daily life and our worship. And how, you know, it's important that this facility look good and, uh, and, and, and our sound work right, all this stuff work right. But it's not as important as the way we serve. And the way we serve isn't going to happen unless we examine the way we worship. Because it all flows out of that. As Isaiah was worshiping the Lord in the temple, you read back in what, Isaiah 6, and he had a vision of God high and lifted up. What was it Isaiah did? The next thing you do is he, he did is he humbled himself. And then next thing he hears is that holy, 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 right? And then the next thing he hears is our triune God saying, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is Isaiah's Old Testament. Isaiah hears him say, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Right? You see the plurality of our one God right there? Who will I send? Whom will I send? Who will go for us? And one of the first things in his heart overflowing with worship that came out of Isaiah's mouth is, Here I am. Send me. Amen. The service flowing out of the worship. All right. Are you ready? Are you ready to wrap this together? And let's take it home with us. All right. Let's get it ready to take home. So here we go. Some take home. These are some things we want to really remember about this. Submission and worship go together. I can't worship without submitting. 
submission and worship. We're going to get ready to we're going to get ready to worship and pray in just in just a moment. So I want you to get your heart ready. Submission and worship go together. You can't have have worship without it. Service and worship also go together. That true service is produced by worship. And it is spiritual. That means it comes from the deepest part of you. It's not a ritual. It's not just that thing you do. It comes from the heart. Do you see what I'm saying? Different than the Old Testament. It is spiritual, not ritual. And because of worship, and we recognize who he is, holy God, high and lifted up, we yield ourselves to him. Surrender. I yield my will to his will. Amen? Are you with me? And because of that, I have, I should have a burning desire in my spirit to serve him and to obey him. And that flows out of worship. It's our reasonable service. Amen. Pray with me. Father, Lord God.